The podcast you're listening to now is unthinkable without the use of the modern computer. That's something we can all agree on. But have you ever stopped to consider the intricate web of connections that brought its component parts together? Not the computer, but the podcast itself. Over 30 years ago now, a sciencey sort of chap was idly sitting in rural Dorset when an idea struck him. Why not join the Doctor Who Appreciation Society? So he sent off a self-addressed envelope and waited by his letterbox for a few weeks. Communication in those days didn't involve anything so advanced as email. Meanwhile, in Salisbury, another fellow was spending his spare time writing all manner of exciting stories as fast as his pen could manage. No word processing software then, you see. Also, at this time, far away in Essex, a young lady could be heard going when the little malice was sick in the TARDIS. To be honest, I think most of us did. At first glance, you wouldn't think that these three people had much in common at all, apart from a certain television series, of course. But the story of how they came together and what that first meeting led to has a direct connection with what you're currently experiencing. Ladies and gentlemen, with brilliantly inspired ideas but unquestionably expired beige 70s jackets, it's episode 12 of Round the Archives. the science fiction serial for older children, The Changes. Episode 6, A Pile of Stones. When Nicky is discovered in a barn near some old farm machinery, she is dragged off to be tried as a witch. For, as Davy Gordon, the headman of the village, puts it, no ordinary human person could rest peacefully among all that wickedness. Hello. Hello. Good evening. (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 12 of Around the Archives. Is it episode 12? It is episode 12. It is. I know. I got it wrong on the the intro because I said episode 11. You did. Which people might have noticed the cut because my voice changes. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I might as well admit that now. But it's episode 12 of Around the Archives. I'm Andrew. I'm Lisa. And I'm Warren. Warren will be popping in and out. Oh. And he's going to pop out any minute now if we're not careful. Yes. Uh, (laughs) I don't think there's any odds and ends left over from episode 11. No, possibly not. Though we did get some new countries. Hello, Japan and the Philippines. Yes, hello. Greetings, salutations. Ah, very good. (laughs) Um, We're going to kick off uh, with a guest piece. So we've got Mr. Nick Goodman talking Mm. about that well-known children's serial, The Changes. So let's (laughs) zoom over to Salisbury and see what Nick's got to say. Okay. Back soon. Bye-bye. Hello, listeners. We are on OB. We're not on film. We're... (laughs) <laughs> oh. We're cheap, aren't we? Uh, well, yes. I mean, uh, considering what we're 
about to talk about. Yes, um, I, and I feel we're a bit Nick... guilty being on cheap because it was all done on film. We're we're <laughs> on, we're in Nick's um, living room again. Living, living room, yes, <laughs> I remember. We haven't <laughs> moved. Well, we're still on the same sofa. It makes it sound like you've been away and come back. I, I can... <laughs> have been away and come back. Well, no, I can. This might be a different issue. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> Nick. Yes. Tell me about the changes. I love the changes. Do you? Yes. Um, I was well, that's ye- good. <laughs> I, I was six years old when it started. This is, we're talking January 75. Uh, Tom yes. had just uh, entered, the, sat on the throne, as it were, as Doctor <laughs> Who. And um, anything, basically, with uh, from the children's watchy era I was sort of into but this was a quite massive thing because it had um, newspaper uh, well they're not well they had the the the, the panel as it were mm. on the in the radio times and an announcement at the beginning saying some scenes must be un- unsuitable for young children now my mother being a liberal lady I, I obviously was not to uh, not too uh, uh, bothered about the yeah. <laughs> being traumatised by burning cranes it's or good whatever. For it. <laughs> it was good for character building, um, and it was intriguing. I mean, there was. I mean, I took an instant shine to Vicky Williams. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say here and now, um, uh, I, I, I was a tart at six, and I'm still a tart. <laughs> um, I, 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 I was always losing Notice my Notice I heart didn't there. deny it. Then. No, <laughs> um, but yeah, Vicky Williams. There was something about her that's that. It's, it's kind of still a feeling you know she's she's just so, such an innocent in it and um it just she's just the not you 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 your average but, but sort of spotty kid you know just just run us briefly through what the setup of the first the, episode is the, the setup of the first episode is um a normal family in a normal street <laughs> watching the telly and the the telly goes fuzzy and i think it's corbett that fellow that I, yes Woodle? the one that I don't remember whatsoever the that he's always turning up at the goodies yes. a lot, yeah. um, but he goes fuzzy and, and they say what's wrong with the telly um, Bernard Horsfall as the dad has a this fit and smashes the telly and all around everybody's smashing all kind of um, technology and yes. saying it's evil and all machinery and all a whole country uh, is in turmoil it's sort of if you imagine a sort of Luddite riot um, it, it replaced the deadly virus in the the, the, the survivors with a, a kind of a luddite riot. Right. Um, then you you've basically got the changes. Although survivors was about four months later. Yeah. Um, but yes, it was and and the the sort of this one girl trying to work out what it was all about. It was an adaption of three books by Peter Dickinson. Yes. Not to be confused with uh, the, 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 the one in the old school eye. Your, your um, acting. Colleague. Yeah, my acting colleague. Um, because my actual did you ever tell him you, you thought it was really good well yeah, yeah. He, he he used to go around I wrote that <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but no he, he, uh, expertly and I do mean expertly um, adapted by Anna Holmes because I've read I've read two of the books I think two of the three books and of course they're all disparate characters yes and um, so he takes Vicky Gore, who's one of them. Oh, sorry, Nikki Gore. Play, Nikki, played by Vicky, um, and it, it sort of has her as a through line through the whole thing, which I think is very clever because you, you, you obviously you get to know them, and she picks up various friends along the way. And um, a lot of people find the middle dull. I don't. I, th- I find it very exciting. I mean, she gets accused of witchcraft, and they go burn her. And I was terribly into it when I was a kid. I was like, no, I, ironically, <laughs> originally, you you had copies of episode one and episode ten. Yes, in with, with terrible with, quality, with dreadful quality, but with no middle 
episodes That's at all. Right. So did you have any I- idea of what, well, what yes, happened in the middle? Because I remember it. You, you um, did remember it. Yeah. I have. I, I don't, there's a whole thing where they, they team up with the Sikhs. Yeah. And there's a whole thing where they, they liberate a village from barons. One, the chief one played by Edward Brayshaw from oh, Rentigo's. Now, I don't really have a great deal of recollection of that. But I do recall uh, David Garfield as the a sort of um, mad preacher in it, uh, or the head, the head man, who's, who's t- uh, turned a bit a little weird. And I remember him being a really good booable baddie <laughs> and, and wanting to leap into the telly and rescue this poor girl from terrible fate. And, um, and, the, the, and the also very nice Melina Kendall, I think it's Kendall, I can't remember. But um, yeah, I mean, she... <laughs> She comes into it too, and 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 the, the the family within the village, including Stella Tanner, who's of, who frequently can be found oh, uh, Q, in Q, Q series, yeah. series um, here being serious. Um, and again, as as well as when we were saying about Children of the Stone, some really good actors. Uh, Bernard Horsfall, you've got um, Oscar Cutack, who's always that that really scary looking oh, sort of mass murdery kind of serial killer look, and um, you've got. Good old Tom Shadbourne, yes, uh, and you've got wonderful Bernard Horsfall and David Garfield being very scary. And, and there's there's something, and it's just a lot. Of, as I say, a lot of people find it dull, the middle bit. Um, I remember it well enough to remember the bit at the the end, and the bit, it's it was just a magical show for me. I mean, right? it's interesting you said about Survivors. It mm. does tap into a very seventies thing mm. about a rejection yes. of technology or a fear that technology Absolutely. will fail, because you've had. Um, you've had like the sort of power cuts, and absolutely. Minor strikes. You get, you get the changes. You get yes. survivors, but you even get things like the good life, which is about moving absolutely. away. It's a benign survivors. Isn't yeah, it? yeah. I, I, there's a lot of kind of thought. I think it emerges. I would say because the very beginning of the changes was published at right at the end of the sixties. Mm. The the well the the books. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of concern with the with the hippie thing and turning against established ideas and kind of the whole thing. Okay, so we haven't got established ideas. Where are we going? Yeah. Uh, so I think there was a lot of that kind of concern. And again, the thing about that makes it so good is it was just done with so much thought. Yeah. And the production. I mean, the production values are in a sense even better than children because um it's all on film mm. all consistently on film there was a horrible rumor uh, when we first started getting copies of things that they, a lot of the episodes didn't exist yeah. and that was all that's left and i thought oh! and then of course and lisa will remember this because i asked her to tape it for me um <laughs> in 94 they said we're going to show all the changes I, <laughs> and uh, it was just one of those little personal shows which kind of Cause, cause really caught your imagination you've really followed on the story and it was intriguing and you wanted to find out what's happened because you've also got um paddy kingsland yes doing doing the theme music and some uh, some incidental yes. stuff that was very early for very him early well. paddy yes um, but you can tell it's him can yeah, you? oh yeah, yes yeah. yes um it's that kind of melancholy kind of um, quality he had, which I, I do like Paddy Kingston. I must yeah. admit, I've I've always I actually was on this diverting a little bit, but I was on Facebook to Mark Ayres saying, well, when when are we going to get a CD of Paddy? And then, all in good time. I thought it's been seventeen years since the last release. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, if there was a release of Paddy's stuff, I mean, I've got a bit of his change of music actually yeah. on on one of the Radiophonic Workshop oh, CDs. All right, okay, yeah, because there were um, there were a number yes. of 
releases of sort of BBC LPs and yes. things like that. So as I'm speaking, I suddenly thought, well, oh, actually, I have got some Paddy. <laughs> uh, on, on that, it's got a whole medley of, of his changes yeah. work. But yes, very early Paddy. Again, um, I actually remember the theme music when even before I got the... T- I, I remember it. And the, and the sort of the, the the stone, which was apparently a, a polystyrene rock, which they the the that was done at Clearwell Caves. Oh, um, all right. Yes. In the Forest of Dean. Yes. We went down there, and I I don't think I was quite brave enough. To, <laughs> I don't think I was quite brave enough to. Uh, this actually, I, I mean, I'm squiddling a bit, but this actually links into Children of the Stones. Of course, props that are credibly there yeah. during the time can be a great. Uh, false candy for uh, like someone like me, but it was a little kid who liked gimmicks. And I did actually well, with that bit in Children of the Stones. There's this uh, false water trough which leads into Hendrix's control room. Oh, right. um, he opens up the panels, and you can actually go in. And I did my first trip to Avesbury after Children of the Stones. I did look for that, <laughs> and my mum sort of had. Was, I think it might have been a, a, a prop. Yeah, again, you had the prop in the, in the of um, and show the stones with um, the changes, should I say? But the thing is, it's one of those things where you get enough answers to actually at the end to answer pretty mm. well what it's all about, but you don't get all of them. No, uh, so, so it's, it left, in your, it's left in your yes. imagination of it. You do, you do hold but that, back. That involves you, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But these days they they hold too much back at the end, mm. and you know, oh, what's that about? <laughs> and um, but uh, then they they gave you enough to to to, 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 to but they, they they did did leave you for some questions. But like you were quite right though, going, the alternative lifestyle thing. It mm. definitely was. It's very much a seventies thing. Yes. You don't you don't get those sort of stories being told in the eighties. Yes. It's weird. And you get the old yokels who are hardly touched by the you know they they say well you we don't want anything to do with that. Well they you you they might have uttered that even before the changes. And but you get the the young farmer who who likes all the tractors and the, the, yeah. the real mechanical stuff. But the way it's done is actually quite frightening in the in the sort of claustrophobia of this girl being on her own and and even rewatching it all the years later, I, I still got me hooked. And um, again, it's just that marvelous kind of. It's the real world. Mm. It's it's the credible real world. And Bristol, I, I went to Corton in Bristol in my younger days, <laughs> uh, so uh, I I know those hills quite well. Um, marvelous, you know, and, and and just and very ahead of its time, really, because yeah. you had Sikh characters, yeah, yeah. Um, and you had a, a strong female lead on her own, um, and you had big questions about uh, where we're going with technology. Thank you very much to Nick for yes, his lovely you, piece on the changes. He's obviously very fond of the changes. Well, quite right well, too. Parts of the changes. <laughs> we, um, I think Nick and I got slightly confused about the identity of the newsreader, though. We said it was Corbett Woodall, who often pops up in the goodies. Um, 
the chap who plays the part isn't actually credited uh, on screen, but IMDb lists newsreader uncredited Jeremy Carrad. And we looked up Jeremy Carrad, and he was um, anchor of the BBC BBC West News programme Points West from 1962 to 1976. So that makes sense if he was appearing in something filmed around Bristol, you see. Mm-hmm. Um, the BFI actually released the changes on DVD, and you do get a nice booklet with it. Yes. Um, though I do um, take issue with one paragraph uh, on page 22, and I just want to read it it says um, along with the owl service 1969 to 70 the stone tape 1972 children of the stones 1977 king of the castle 1977 and raven 2002 to 2010 10 the changes became part of a rich seam of children's television running through the 1960s and 70s that delved deep into arthurian magic gaia myths and the occult history of britain it's all right until you think about that because mm. um it says a the stone tape yeah, which, not which was definitely, definitely not, not, a not a children's program. And they say Raven 2002 to 2010. Yes. Um, I think they've got the wrong Raven there. I think they have, yes. Because Raven 2002 to 2010 is, of course, the uh, BBC Scotland adventure game show. Right. <laughs> not, not the Raven that they're thinking about. Which is the one with Phil Daniels. Uh, which is the, yeah, which is also I think nineteen seventy seven. Yeah, something uh, like that. Yes, seventies. I hang on. I will just check which which Raven that that was. But um, yeah, um, but otherwise, it's uh, yes, it was nineteen seventy seven for mm-hmm. for Raven. Yes. Um, otherwise, I think that's that's it for the notes on that. And yes. now we we zoom on to uh, James Burke's connections, and yes. Warren's going to join us for the discussion one's going to pop up yes boy boy that's zebedee okay zebedee popped up well zebedee popped down actually but yeah okay here comes warren and james burke and connections ta-ra bye And we're back. Hello. 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 Warren is here. Hello. Hello. And we've just been watching James Burke. Yes. Yes. In, in with, con- with Connections. Connections. And we've been watching episode six of Connections, mm-hmm. which is... Skies of Thunder? Uh, Thunder in the Skies. That's it. Yeah, That's the one. <laughs> Very good. From the 21st of November, 1978. Right. Now, Warren. Hello. Hello, Warren. Uh, you got connections on DVD. I did, yeah. Slightly before me. Mm-hmm. And you, um, I think you finished watching it before I'd even started. I binged what? So, what, why is James Burke's Connections, um, why did it work for you? Why was it such a good series? Mainly because of the presenter. Mm-hmm. And he is the teacher that I never had. Right. Uh, I think he's one of these guys. Well, I get too deep here. Transcends a lot of barriers. Uh, we were talking about it. He's he's comedic. Uh, comedic. You, you said he's got a bit of a stand-up comedian in his he uh, has. presenting style. He it's has quite a dry sense of humour, isn't it? It but, is uh, dry. Yeah. But he's engaging you as an audience. 
Yeah, it's yeah. almost in that he always asks you questions. Yeah, don't you think? Isn't yeah. it? So it's almost, and he's dragging you in to the journey that he's taking you on, and uh, and it is very random in some cases, but it is another alternative viewpoint. Uh, as far as uh, things like science go, I'm, I'm not a great uh, scientific reader, mm -hmm. and the best way to learn to do science, I always find, was to do it practically. So I'm more of what they call an activist, hands on, hands on, <laughs> and he is hands on, isn't he? He's, he's taking you, going, look, this is where we're going. Now to explain the series a bit, it's a series about how inventions occur yeah and it's like the social history of change in terms of science isn't it yeah and it's so the episode we watched starts with chimneys and ends up with concord <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which, a very nervous it, man standing on the top of concord yeah he ends up stood on top <laughs> of concord um but the the way he gets to it um, is uh, I think very interesting. There's a book available of the series which I think you got for me, didn't was it? You got me? Yeah, got I me think it was you. You bought it. Yeah. I can't what? remember. Well, I remember. Yeah, this is a few years ago now. So I know you mentioned the season. Uh, you mentioned the season. You mentioned the series once. But I remember um, seeing connections on the telly in 1978. As usual, let's do our little bit of context. And uh, I've got BBC Genome up. Um, 21st of November 1978 is a Tuesday. And BBC One, uh, well, apart from you and me at two o'clock in the afternoon, What's My Shape with Wendy Padbury? Um, you may <laughs> wish to comment on what Wendy Padbury's shape is. I don't know. Um, mm. Jack and Ori, The Dribblesome Teapots with Kenneth Williams. Um, screen test, record breakers nationwide. David Essex uh, with special guest star Jeremy Irons, and James Burke's connections, Thunder in the Sky. Um, James Burke takes a look at two thousand years of human ingenuity in the sixth of ten historical detective stories. He searches for the clues that link yesterday's amazing inventions to our modern world. This week he asks. What's the connection between skating on the Thames and making love in private? Or between the invention of soda water and the scent spray? And how does that connection lead to package tours in Mallorca? Money. <laughs> Money, as he says. Um, Warren, you, you have a... You notice something when watching this. How many drinks does he take during the course of this show? <laughs> I think he's a bit of a lush, isn't he? He's, he's had four drinks. You said he reminds me of you. Is it? Like... Reminds you of me. Reminds he reminds you, you of me. Okay. Yes. Oh, what Is aspects that right? could that be? Um, but you said the science and the and the love of well, he's, he's... alcohol. Ah. <laughs> because his first drink is taken in the snowy wastelands of. Greenland. He's on a he's on a snow scare, uh, um, snow a power sledge, sledge isn't he? From the middle middle of nowhere, he produces this jug of red wine because he's it? lamenting mm. the fact that the um, change of climate in sort of medieval times led to um, not being able to grow vines. So he was moaning that you couldn't drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> Rubbish. And then he has a glass. <laughs> now he's had a glass for a while. You said he's had. More than one glass, by the look of it, hasn't he? Because he, he pours it out he of the jug. It takes a while to come and out of the jug. And the jug's quite empty. Yeah. And then he zooms off on his snow sled. At great speed. So you'd nick him for that, would you? Yeah, he'd be coming in. Yeah. And then later on, he's got his 
dimpled glass of beer. <laughs> One seen, of those proper yes, pint glasses. Proper pint glass. From the 70s. Mm-hmm. And he's also got some soda water. We suspiciously think might have which, gin which in it. He's probably got a load of gin in it. Um, <laughs> but it starts off with, with the chimney, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, although, as you said, um, they, they start off in like a medieval hall where everybody's living in the hall. And there's this fire made out of logs. And it's your thing about <laughs> it's got a blue flame, isn't it's it? So flame. it's clearly actually being made by a gas Raymond Cusick yeah. fire. Yeah, the the um, you've got Raymond Cusick and Michael John Harris working as designer and special effects on this show. Um, but yeah, we soon sort of jump from that to the chimney, um, which leads to Hardwick Hall mm-hmm. or Glass the Wall, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Now, Lisa, yes. your sort of ears pricked up at Hardwick Hall, yes. didn't they? Because you know a bit bit well. about. I've I've looked a bit up about... Why do you know about Hardwick Hall? Because Hardwick Hall is the ancestral home of Bess of Hardwick. Who was Bess of Hardwick? Um, Bess of Hardwick was... um, Well, at the point she she remade Hardwick Hall, she was the Countess of Shrewsbury. Right. But she had fallen out with the Count of Earl of Shrewsbury Mm -hmm. and um, he banned her from Chatsworth House. Oh, right. Okay. Which is the home of the Duke of Devonshire now, yeah. who is also a relation of... Basically, everybody who's an aristocrat now is probably related to Bess of Hardwick in some way, right. including the royal family. So how many um, monarchs did she live she through? She lived through six monarchs. Oh, blimey. Because she, she was 81 or so when she died. Right. Um, and she, yeah, she lived through six monarchs, which is Henry VIII, mm-hmm. Edward VI, Lady Jane Grey, who was monarch for only nine days but still counts though she's never published in the list of kings and queens uh mary the first elizabeth first and james first all right she's got a she's got a link with the cecil family cecil family yes yes and somebody here's got a link with the cecil family yeah well we'll do her link first and then we'll come to our link with the cecil family her link with the cecil family is the fact that when she fell out with her husband Mm. various people got involved because apparently there was quite a lot of bickering involved um you know, we don't bicker, do we? No, no, no. 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 Do we bicker, Warren? Yes. <laughs> what are you asking me for? Why are you talking to you? He's not getting involved. That's right. <laughs> but yes, anyway, so she'd petitioned um, William Cecil, yeah. Lord Burley, where the Burley horse charms come from, mm-hmm. his house. And his son, Robert Cecil, coined the phrase Hardwick Hall. More glass than wall. Yeah. That's the second time. So, yes. This is going to become a catchphrase. It isn't is. It? Yeah. Um, <coughs> so that's her link. And when I think of Robert Cecil, I yeah. always think of Toby Jones. All right. Okay. Because Toby Jones played him in the Channel for drama about Elizabeth I. I must apologise for our noisy neighbour who appears to be. He appears to have got his strimmer out at this point. Again. Oh dear, but we'll keep going. I'm sure, uh, yes, this strange gr- gr- grinding noise is, is, um, is, is nothing to do with my stomach. No, for once. But yes, so, <laughs> <laughs> so Warren, what's your link with the Cecils? Cecils, uh, my mother was a housekeeper and I was the underfootman. Oh, so were you, what, what was your role then? What did you have to do? I, oh, that was when I was a teenager and a weekend job at school, when I was just coming to the end of school and that was things like laying fires in the manor house, All right. um, cleaning some of the silverware, polishing the boots. Is this where you got your posh voice from? Because <laughs> somebody said to you the other day that you had a posh voice. <laughs> I was coming into it? that, yeah. I said, where did you get that from? Somebody said to me, well, I said, you're too posh for your copper. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's not a posh voice. Do you think it's a posh voice? 
I, I think it's quite an educated it's clear. voice. It's, a clear it's definitely voice. not educated, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know where to go with that one. Though. All right, okay. <laughs> but you, you had to yeah, I was... exude an air of civilization is that right yes i spoke when i was spoke uh, spoken to but other than that yeah I, I i worked there and did an apprenticeship to become a under butler all oh, right so is that the um earl of salisbury he's the marquess of salisbury whose family seat is hatfield house yeah mm-hmm. and amazingly enough when you say robert cecil robert cecil at that particular moment was lord cranbourne when i was employed there yeah and he's like the eldest son yeah or something yeah. yes okay yeah. But yeah, um, this they have this a television thing. link. Oh, what's hmm? their te- oh, what's their um, television link? Oh, for, former, uh, former sister-in-law to him was Diana Rigg. Oh, sorry, that suddenly sprung into oh, my head used, there. Yes, you said she used to come. Yes, she met used Diana to visit. Rigg. Yes, yeah, yes. uh, she used to come round. Yeah, or so. Diana Sterling as she was then. Ah. Oh, Hardwick House is not Hardwick Hall is not to be confused with Hardwick House <laughs> either, is it? Which is yeah. the um, infamous uh, 1987 sitcom produced by Central that was so badly received only the first two episodes were ever shown that mm. was like one of Roy Kinnear's last last things um, but yes this, this episode of Connections also goes into um, making glass uh, mm-hmm. cannon boring as well yeah. now this this, um, this when we were watching this this prompted a, a, another memory of your school days, didn't it, Warren? About oh, the dust about, suddenly blew off one of my memories. Yes, yes. about metalwork. We had a metalwork teacher called Mr. Thomas, and you said he was very well, very very well. He was Mr. very Thomas. Welsh boy, oh, yes. Yes. So I want you all to to think about your last project before the end of term. You'll all be marked on this, and depending whether you do very well here, lads, you'll go and go forward, and you might want to choose metalwork as a full time subject. Did so, you? No. No. Did I buggery? No. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so most of the people um, just did screwdrivers, right? Which that was the boring that we were watching on the um, the system and turning the new screwdrivers. I built a chicken feeder. Oh, that's bloody marvellous! I can't do that. Can't the accent's gone? He said that was bloody marvellous. He went. He said, "Oh, that's that's cracking boil. That's really good. I've never seen a chicken feeder like that before." <laughs> and he gave me an A plus for a chicken feeder. Oh. Amazing. E- easily impressed. Very easily impressed. So I went on to do woodwork. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I hated metalwork. But James Burke, let, 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 yes. let's talk about him. You said um, you sort of rediscovered... Well, you didn't rediscover it. You discovered connections by thinking, is James Burke still alive? Yeah, it was just a simple thing of... Um, I don't know... It might have been something... Called, it was. I was going through YouTube and I saw the uh, Apollo 13... Mm. Stuff. Oh, is James James Burke's still knocking around. Oh, yes, he is. Connections. Mm. Looked up connections. Looks. The first thing I then looked onto was straight onto um, YouTube. Yeah. Just as a reference point, and there was there was an episode on that they have got them on there. I thought, okay, right, this looks interesting. I'll I'll give it a bash. But also noticed the book was on. Uh, yes. Are, are, is it's still available on Amazon <laughs> to accompany the television you're, you're series. You're not on a cat of the book, I hope. Uh, no, 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 no. Never mind. As they would say at the end of the programme, there is a book that uh, accompanies this series. It's available at all good bookshops. But, but James Burke, born in Derry, Northern Ireland, educated at Maidstone Grammar School and Jesus College, Oxford. His MA is actually in uh, Middle English. 
nothing to do with science no, at all. She was amazing because I thought he was a scientist. Well, I genuinely thought he was a scientist. That's you know of of my era. I just about remember him sort of doing stuff because he um, does the Apollo coverage. Yeah, and Tomorrow's World as well. There's mm -hmm. a there's a few bits, black and white bits and pieces, knocking about because he was presenter for the moon landings. Um, along with Patrick Moore. Yeah. Um, and you said you'd seen some of the Apollo 13 stuff. Yeah, there's a really interesting where the Apollo 13 uh, comes into the atmosphere, so they lose all radio contact. And he, they've, they've set up the usual BBC setup with a few monitors on the desk. And he's leaning forward, and he's got his hand over his ear, which he's clearly holding his, his uh, earpiece in. And he, by the side of his left hand side, is his hand. It's very Trouton esque because he's got his fingers crossed. All right. And the camera just slowly zooms in on him. Yeah. Uh, uh, it didn't seem staged. I was going to say that's no. not fake, is it? No, no it wasn't fake him. at all. He was just. And the, it's quite interesting because if you watch the the piece that is, exists, because it's the only there's very little of it that actually exists. The um, the the thirteen uh, television coverage, but. The, the tension in that room is genuine. Mm. They are seriously expecting them not to return, yeah. to burn up in the atmosphere. Yeah. But Con Connections is a sort of 10-episode series. The first episode I don't think is terribly representative of the way no. the series goes because it's all to do with, um, as we briefly talk about in Nick's Changes article, the, the failure of technology. It's about how a single component... Um, caused a massive um, power cut across North America. Um, and the and, regression that we and, would and, go and through. Yes, he, yeah. he basically starts to take away technology. And if you went to a farm with no electricity, would you be able to survive? So this is basically sort of going through the mechanics of survivors. And, and also like the that. fact that we are losing touch through mechanicalization and technology the basics of life yeah it's people's inability to actually do simple stuff yeah yeah so um but that that's i get the feeling that first episode was sort of a bit on its own because then then the series that follows on is is slightly slightly different yeah um more whimsical as well i'd say yeah you you can tell he's starting to relax by about yeah. episode three because you do get this sort of wry right sense of humor coming in the man in beige as i remember <laughs> it's fantastic it's the 70s everybody wore beige yeah but he, he he carries it so well as he has the 70s archetypal hairstyle the glasses and the beige but you, you you're not interested in what he's wearing what he looks like you're interested in what he says and that is the thing um he could be in any absurd situation but you are really interested in what he's telling you because it's presented in such a way that's easy definable chunks yeah, uh, if you're not science-minded, it appeals to the wider audience. And there you go, you've got a... When it was 8 o'clock, was it the... Um, um, 7.20, yes. 7.20, yeah, yeah. so it's primetime TV. Yeah, I mean, it, there were follow-up series to it, Connections 2 and 3, yeah. or Connections Squared and Cubed, I'm not sure, and 1994 and 1997. Yeah. Um, you said you'd seen some of this oh, yeah. late, later stuff, but... Um, yeah, it didn't quite work as well. Did you feel? No, the um, the basically the one of the episodes that I saw because it was made by a public broadcasting service in in the states, mm -hmm. as opposed to this was a 
I mean, this is BBC with, I think, Time, Time Life, Life, Time Life are, are yeah. sort of associated with it, yeah. But. Uh, but, and it seemed very much a case of Series 2 was a reworking of Series 1 and a, rev uh, a revisiting of Series 1 to add a bit more to it, but it was also a refresher as well. There's, well, a, there's also another series, the, the Day the Universe Changed, which I vaguely remember, well, I um, from, from BBC. That's 1985. Mm. Um, I'm not... I think that was... It was released on on DVD actually. I mean, two thousand and nine, according to this. Um, so that might be worth worth, worth looking up actually. Yeah. Again, I vaguely remember it, but um, nothing much sticks in <laughs> sticks in my mind. But yeah, I think it's one of those sort of important um, sort of documentary series, which again, sort of it's quite a time capsule isn't it about yeah. um people's concerns in the late 70s because um, there's the stuff about um the sort of nuclear bomb in the suitcase yes isn't it uh, and you say about the enola gay um as well yeah that the, the talking about the nuclear bomb and stuff um and again that that that's a that's a quite a late 70s early 80s sort of time and, capsule isn't it, it really always reinforces the fact that nothing goes in a straight line no and uh, nothing is invented in isolation hmm. there is always a reason be it to exploit or to Im it to improve and it, and it's usually frilly knickers isn't it frilly knickers <laughs> yes because <laughs> one one of his one of his best now ones, that i have your attention yeah one of his best ones is is the claim that frilly knick medieval frilly knickers led to the invention of the computer <laughs> and i'm not even going to explain that because if you've not seen the episode in the series that alone i think is worth yes investigating to yep. see how on earth he makes that connection uh <laughs> Because it's one of those things you you actually sort of try and plot the course of these where he's going with some of these theories, and you see where he starts and where he finishes. And even when you've watched it, even once or twice, you still can't quite remember how he got there, yeah. can you? Yeah. Um, so I think that's why the book's quite important because you can sort of follow it through at your own your own pace. But uh, yeah, um, I think it's an it's another series that um, I. I don't think the DVDs probably sold that well. No, which I which is a shame. That, yeah, um, because you know, if we can spread the word a bit and encourage people to to have a look at, it, if you've got an interest in history or science or or, or or things like that, it's it's a real yeah. You, it's a really well presented series, isn't it? it as you said, it's engaging. It, yeah. it it's it's very watchable. I think yeah. people fear that oh it's made in the 70s so therefore you know it's going to date really badly. It doesn't. It doesn't because it's not that kind of program. Just the clothes he's wearing perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> but and some of the technology that's some yeah. of the technology yeah. And the dodgy Raymond Cusick fires. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other than that nothing really needs to be focused as far as the 70s does yeah. it? Yeah. No. Okay, well thank you for that. That's um but yeah, we we really enjoyed viewing that one. Again. Yeah, we yeah. we certainly say uh, um, you know have have a look at connections and investigate it, and you know I'm sure the DVDs DVDs aren't that expensive, are and, they? And, and let us know what you think. Yeah, I really would like to know on this one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be back soon with some more stuff. See you soon then. Bye bye. Bye. bye.
And thank you to Warren yes, for thank you, Warren. helping us with that. Yes, very um, interesting. We've got more Warren coming up now. More, 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 more Warren. Warren goodness. More Warren goodness. He's, he's, is he goodness? Oh, Rose is playing with her ball. Rose has got a ball. I can hear it tingling in the background. That's the noise you can hear, yes. yes. Um, Warren has a chat with Michael Seeley about Kip Hedler and Doomwatch now. Uh, Warren did actually go on location. He did. To to do this. Um, uh, There's a bit of noise in the background as they were filming in a sort of public place. Place. Um, So we've selected a a chunk, which Mm. I think is makes sense in itself and doesn't mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a bit noisy at the start but it's, it soon settles down yeah. um, so bear with it and then we'll be back with some more stuff after that yes see you bye and now from Norwich uh, um what was that? How did I get how did, you get? how did you get involved in doing the stuff for Doom Watch the Hall? Oh, that's easy. Um, over the years, there were plenty of attempts at doing a Doom Watch website. You know, now I was not the only one who used to watch what exists of Doom Watch and really wanted to know what happened to all the missing episodes. You know, and there was some guy who um, put the storylines for the missing first series episodes out on very primitive early internet in 1999. <laughs> That was good but other people tried to set up websites and that's uh, the one i can think of is um the updates were about updates i've updated the updates on my site today and oh i've changed a banner and this bit there's no content and uh oh uh, yeah i'm sort of screaming come on i want to read about missing episodes my sense of entitlement <laughs> demanded to know what happened in higher mountain and uh what was without the bomb all about? How exciting is a lipstick aphrodisiac going to be? You know, all those sort of things. It's a big mystery. <laughs> I wanted to know what Spectre at the Feast about. It's all about the Ranger Times write-ups are bloody awful. It's like, this week, Doomwatch catches a plane. Yeah, great. Tell us it's going to crash later on or something like that. So he does. a bit more exciting, but that's the BBC there, wasn't it? Um, so then I discovered Scott Burdett's site. And he, was, he, he had this thing that always gets my love, detail. Yeah. The devil in the detail. Nothing was too trivial. Nothing was beyond him. And what's more, he got a copy of um, some of the missing episode scripts. But I'm too shy to sort of, sort of email and say, can I help? Will we be my friend? Or And then I found out he'd gone to the BBC archives as well. I thought, no, this guy, he, he likes doing much as much as I do. And I was getting the impression that doing much was becoming very forgotten and very unloved. People watching the old episode and going, this is rubbish. Which is rather sad, I thought. Cause, uh, it was in the 90s when I was starting to watch them on pirate video. Really bad quality copies. I then to my friends in the local group. They loved it. Absolutely loved it. Matt West can't understand that. He can't understand why people like Doom Watch. Crossroads of clipboards, he wants to correct it. As he thought I would be upset by that, but I thought that was quite funny. But um, mind you, Survivors is like crossroads of silage, isn't it? I like Survivors. I like The actors very wooden, but then again, they had no rehearsal time. Those actors who yeah. needed rehearsals, dear, and they didn't have it. So anyway, so one day I was, I was reading a bit of, um, he'd done the storyline for one missing episode or something, and um, something clicked in my head about how Doomwatch worked as a piece of drama. And so uh, he had a little forum with about three or four people on it, and mainly his updates, he kept his copies on it. And I just put a little piece in, which was bait. A nice, well-reasoned, argued argument, it was bait. And he took it, hook, line and sinker, bless him. Next day he said, get in touch. And I got in touch. And he said, would you like to help? Would you like to... Um, he says what he needed was storylines, detailed storylines, and uh, what he called meaty reviews. 
I thought, uh, no, <laughs> I had nothing Man else to do. Heaven, I had nothing else yeah. to do in my life. Yeah. Well, apart from marriage, but no, that's a waste of time, that was. Um, it was more, I, I was more excited when I got the missing episodes through my um, scripts, that is, through my email box, and there's like survival code. <laughs> I go, ah, happiest day of my life. Suck the children. <laughs> Getting copies of Flood, that was more exciting than bloody. Look, Daddy, I can walk. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to fall over in a minute. It's also bloody wonderful about that. I can walk all the time. But look, look, this is without the bomb. It's dreadful. It's a crap episode. It's the worst do watch. But I'm reading it. You can't read it. You know, it's like that. Yeah, it wasn't quite like that. That's how I felt, really did, you know. And killer dolphins, at last, I suddenly discovered what happened to the killer dolphins, you know. So I was doing this, so for Scott, I was doing detailed storylines, which weren't, oh dear, it must be really awful now. And, um, but the thing I liked was trying to discover the ideas and uh, the history of the episodes, because each episode had some basis of reality. So it was digging all that up, that was lovely, I spent a year helping him out, and, and there's other people as well, other people were getting involved, I can't remember their names now. There's people like going into um, various the BFI in London and digging out the programmers' broadcast sheets to discover the identity of the uh, stock music tracks. So, so it was going through uh, doing a year's worth of website on Doomwatch, going through our old newspaper archives online. Anything Doomwatch or Kit Bedler. Scott Scott's in there. He does it all. I suddenly realised that Kit Bedler was doing some very interesting things with his life. You know, like. The 1977, I think, Sizewell Inquiry, about whether they should build another reactor. Mm. He was up there, giving evidence for about 30 seconds, before was dismissed, but I thought, I never knew that. And I discovered he was um, a very major anti-vivisectionist. And, you know, he was like with committees and all sorts of things, trying to get, steer the... He wasn't a member of the RSPCA, but trying to steer the RSPCA. That's right, he, was, he, he got legislation. I've just finished that. And, uh, That's one of my yes. favourite chapters in the book, mm. there, because it all comes together quite nice. I was very proud of that. Um... I didn't know that, and yet all I read about Kit Pedley was he's a scientific advisor to Doctor Who. No, he wasn't. He was science fiction advisor. He wasn't a scientific advisor. He was there to bring in science fiction ideas rather than fantasy ideas and historical ideas. He was there to sort of... All the writers, they wrote for United or Dr. Finley's case book. They didn't really know science fiction or perhaps hadn't written much of it. So there might be one or two writers who love it, but Kit Pedley was a guy who loved it. Now, he wasn't a writer, but he was there to give ideas, you know, hence the war machines. And Then he said, I want to write a script. Which is amazing. They actually said, yes, an untested writer. And all people do is, ha ha, moon base part full, ha ha, punch of the dome, ha ha, so much for the scientific advisor. He was a biologist. And what's more, I bet you they were thinking, we must have a depressurisation scene. Unfortunately, the set design makes it just looks like it's so, like this is like a bit of perspective between the moon and them. Um, and yeah, of course, it probably would be instant depressurisation. I don't know how it would work, Frank. But. They obviously just wanted a good depressurisation scene. That's what they thought. They didn't think, you know, 50 years' time, people were going to sort of be laughing at them. And the things Kit Pedler did, and then he sort of just point at that, and you think... You only have to look at what we've got now. Uh, ecological hopes, solar power, wind farms. Mm. Yeah. He, how would he react to that now? He'd be, he'd be over the moon. Yeah. 
because he wasn't a tub thumper as you, you put it in your book he's not a tub thumper no, he's, no. he's a quiet approach very much the educational approach and through Doomwatch he's used that as a, as a first step hasn't he? Yeah. except it didn't start off to be an ecological programme it was all about um, the responsibility of a scientist and just push the ideas science fiction wise so you've got a plastic eating bug so great let's have a plastic eating bug go through London yeah. and rather than the third series it's like, let's talk about what might happen in the first season they showed not tell in the third season it's all like hmm yes hmm well you know like that then did a couple of episodes where it was actually anything approaching excitement really <laughs> but anyway going back to so I was doing that for a year helping out Scott and I suddenly realised Kit Pedler's life was so damn interesting so damn interesting and um, I was getting so fed up like Wikipedia look at his Wikipedia page I don't know if it's been updated it's about that much yeah. there, isn't it? and useless. someone in the uh, section of Wikipedia that says um, uh, debate or discussion saying how about something about his um, um, academic career and the guy who was doing the page said I don't know much about that well, you can if you googled a bit because you can find all his, most of his papers online most of them um, or if not you can certainly find the titles of them but you have to it took me a long time to get the complete list of his stuff there's no one place where you can get everything there's all sorts oh it was so much cross-referencing to do you know if you google his kit peddler you're not going to find his medical papers dr c m h peddler or c peddler and f uh, whatever his initials were afterwards then you might start to find more things but oh he's such an amazing man so anyway i suddenly thought damn it I want to write his life and thank you to Michael and to yes, Warren thank you chaps yes interesting chat as always yes. uh, we have now even more of Warren yes we can't keep him away it's a, this it's time it's a bumper, bumper Warren a issue a bumper Warren issue more we, Warren for your money yes as we uh, not that you paid money no as we chat about our own personal connections how or, we how we met how we all met yes, yes. see you soon bye bye hello hello how did you know i was going to say that then warren well, you, you read we my, have, must have a connection we must sometimes. we have, must have a connection yes indeed because we are going to do now a piece about our own personal connections how we came to be sitting on this sofa because we are sitting on a sofa mm-hmm. and my what got me here. and what random things led, have led us to this Strange position we're currently in. Have you got mm. random things, Lisa? Oh, well, I expect so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, now Warren and I, I think, go back furthest, don't we? We yes. do indeed. Um, Eighty-five, eighty-four. It's now it's it's quite hard for me to remember, but um, <laughs> I, I think, you being the eldest, yes, <laughs> being old and slow. Um, but we must have met on the school bus. We were, because there wasn't any room, and you sat next to me. Oh dear, I sat on your lap. You did sit on my lap, yes. Oh. yes. <laughs> That's why I've never walked properly the same since. Uh, uh, um, I, <laughs> Although I was a raving Doctor Who fan at school, yeah. I, I was... I wasn't out with it. I wasn't out of the no, closet, really. No, we weren't outed as Who fans at all. I wasn't outed no. as a Who fan. No. Um, at middle school, I, I was very much... There was sort of a group of people that liked Doctor Who and talked about it but by this would have been when I was in the first year of the sixth form if we're talking 1985 1985 I'd have been 15 then so this is after the cancellation do you reckon because the cancellation was February 1985 yes you're right yep and I remember listening to Sonic Waves Four. Episode, episode, issue four, yeah. which was Alan Hayes's wonderful 
uh, tape zine. Yeah. Um, on, I think you had a, did you have a mini cassette recorder head, thing? Headphone with headphones. Thing. Yes, Walkman type yes. thing. So how how did we end up in that position? Did did you talk to me about Doctor Who or what? It was because I think one of us was looking at the monthly. All right. No, okay. you were looking. I, I remember now. You were looking at the monthly, and right. I made a comment about the Doctor Ian, Barbara, and Susan. Right. And we haven't stopped talking about it since. Oh, blame me. Right. Well, I, I, I can't I quite remember that because yeah. I, I definitely remember listening to Sonic Waves with you on the bus. Yeah. Because um, we were amazed that um, audio existed from episode two of the Dalek Master Plan, yes. wasn't it? Because yes, indeed we do. Yes, and we never thought we'd actually get to see that because the episode yeah. was missing at the time. Um, but that Sonic Waves, I think, um, I'd ordered through an advert in Celestial Toy Room. Oh, which was the Doctor Who Appreciation Society newsletter. I joined the DWAS in spring of 1984. Um, so I'd been a DWAS member for a sort of year and a bit. And uh, we're making strange signs there, one. <laughs> um, but I, I loved the idea that you could send off for a tape and hear people talking about Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, Strange concept. Yeah, the the idea that you would listen to other people talking about television is a very weird thing. And the fact that yes. people, people seem to like the same things. But that, I think, sort of spurred us on because we did a tape <laughs> of Genesis of the Wogans. Yes. Didn't that, we? we rewrote Genesis of the, the Daleks, Daleks yeah, and reco Wogan, recorded yes. it on your hi-fi thing at your That's house. That's right, with... Bizar the bizarrest soundtrack in the background, yes. usually the Wurzels or yeah, because we had the Doctor Who sound effects record, yes. and then we was it after that we joined the Salisbury local group? No, because no, we did Wogan's for the Salisbury local group. Was it for that? Yeah, I, I couldn't remember specifically which order for it was. that. Yeah, because we said to Andrew Wink, the coordinator. Yeah, because could we? He was asking for things for the. Um, for the SFOW Express. Oh, of course, yes, of course. And, and we said, oh, we could do a play. We could do a play. Yeah. And it ended up being a six-part... I think it was five. Was it five? Yes, it was five, five. somehow. And the regeneration at the end, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you were the Doctor. Yeah. I was Davros and yeah. Sarah. Yes, you Sarah, yes. <laughs> when, I could, when I could do the voice, yes. sometimes I had a sore throat. You had a sore throat it. and you could do Sarah, yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> But um, by that point, I was sort of getting a few more tape scenes as well, like unit tape scene as mm. well, and uh, the master tape as oh, well. the master tape, yes, yeah. I forgot about that, that one. That was, I think, the West Kent local group did that. Yeah. Um, then we got talking to sort of Nick Goodman. Yeah. And um, Nick um, sort of wrote his own stories and things like that. But then in the... Um, it was, must have been 1989, he did... Ray Fay's Shift, which was his tape his scene, tape scene yeah. and that ran till the mid nineties. And I, now you sort of did, you did a little bit for it, didn't I you? Did, Warren? Uh, one or two episodes, uh, one yeah. or two episodes, one or two editions. Yeah, yeah. But I did virtually. I did I something I moved for out, I moved but then out you, the area. you moved. You yeah. moved out of the area, which so, was smoke. Yes, so we sort of lost contact a bit. But I Sorry. then wrote a piece for issue six which was the Graham Williams special um, and I did a piece on Sapphire and Steel story 5 I think and I was still a member of the DWAS and you could send the tapes in for free well for free you'd send them a free tape 
and they'd review it, which basically gave you a bit of free publicity. And um, you, Lisa, yes. come into the story at that point. Don't I do, you? yes, because well, I, I joined um, the Duas either that year, 1991, or the year before. After Doctor Who finished, I'm always late to the party with these things. <laughs> um, and I, I think it, I think I must have joined in 1991 because I have a feeling that was one of the first CTs I got. Mm with that in and it had this review for a first shift and it was a really good review yeah they were you know glowing yeah well about it, I, it. I, I think it was and it was a good issue it was probably the yeah. best issue we did up to that yeah. point each i think it, as with all these things um as you go along you learn you learn more as you go along and i think issue six was was, was a pretty good one so um, yeah so i sent away from it which is why i sent it in because i yeah. thought well you know this is actually worth sending in you know it was yeah. good so yeah i sent away for it from nick and um, liked it. So I think I then got all the back issues and carried on ordering it. And during this, I got to actually know Nick a bit better because we started writing to each other properly. Because Nick had a book where he wrote everybody's name With all these people that had ordered it. Yeah. And under my, I I was... I did that for Spectrum, I I think, as well. Slightly amused when I saw my entry because it said, because I didn't put my name, I just put my initial... And it said, oh, an Essex girl. <laughs> and he was he seemed to be rather excited by this. I don't quite know why. He's obviously never, never met an Essex girl before. But anyway, yeah, we got talking to each other. And um, in, I think it was 1992, um, you were preparing to do um, Sutton Park Prison in the Sun, which was well, a... F- was well, well Sutton Park Prison in the Sun was a film that Nick and Paul, Paul co-wrote. Yes. I think it was 93. It might have been 93. And we yeah. filmed it in the middle of summer yeah. on Pepper. And you got invited you to got be invited in it. You got invited to be in it because somebody dropped out. Yeah. I think I'd got to know him before that because I... Because I was going to say, I Elaine mean, and Keith were in that. Yeah. Did you know either of them? I'd met point? them at Comic Mart, so I'd yeah. obviously known them before that. Yeah. So I might have got to meet them 91, 92. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember getting warned to be careful of strange men, but mm. I didn't take any notice. So. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul, and you, 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 you and Paul had lots of scenes together because yes. you were married, weren't you? We were, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, and you, you had to pretend to drive my car. Yes. <laughs> which was quite difficult yeah. to film so, sometimes. Yeah. All it was was basically I would sit in it when it wasn't moving and sit in the driving seat and look like I was preparing to. And <laughs> but you to, never to, actually did, no. you know. And then they would cut to you driving with yeah. somebody with. Nick or Paul filming it from the passenger yeah. seat. So it was quite cleverly done. So you just never actually showed me driving it. But then I you, you kept on getting invited back to do other films, yes. didn't you? Cause yes, you, I became you part of the game. Yes. You did ones that I wasn't even in. Yes. Yeah. I can't even remember what they are now, but yeah. yes. Yeah, you, yeah. you did quite quite a lot. And then yeah. you did Sutton Park with Paul as yes. well. Everybody did Sutton Park with Paul. Yeah. And that's how we sort of yeah. met, really, yes. wasn't it? And then yeah. you, you invited me to go to a. Um, Panopticon, wasn't it? That's the first convention we, we so, went yeah. to. Yeah, yeah, 19, no, it was, was it Battlefield. Oh, no, I think I think it was Panopticon. Was it Panopticon in Coventry. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's when we had the, that's when we had the automatic voice, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, Battlefield and um, Panopticon were both in oh, Coventry. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, but yeah, we had the we um, we stayed in a in a bed and breakfast and got woken up at two o'clock in the morning by what it seemed to be the voice of God. Security, and it was a security alarm. system. <laughs> But yeah. round about late nineties, we sort of got back in touch, didn't we, Warren? Yes, yes. No, I, I was trying. I was going through my head then when we did. Yes, and yeah. I contacted you on the uh, website Friends Reunited. Yes, and frankly, you were one of the few friends I wanted to be reunited oh, with. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were on the blacklist. No, 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 no,
round your house, wasn't I, Lisa? Yes, and, and Warren came with your to parents. visit us. And not, Warren not came not with my parents. Right. Yeah. My and parents you, were there. You came to visit. I yes. did. Yes. You met the dog. Yeah. Yes. The jumpy dog. Gosh. Wow. That you're, was you're just remembering away. that. Yeah. 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 And then we sort of slowly, because you've moved around a bit, haven't you? I've been around. A bit. You've been around. Yeah. You, you've stayed in lots of places, but um, they've never caught me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but we just sort of realised that we just like like doing these sort of audio yeah. things I think because mm. um, clearly we we natter yes um, but it's just a reaction uh, a reflection of what we normally do isn't it yeah mm. but I, th I think you know we uh, enjoy nattering about nonsense you know to each other <laughs> and occasionally people seem to like listening to it I don't yeah. know why but uh, <laughs> there we go but yeah it's interesting the way that me joining the Dwas was um, one of those pivotal things. You sitting next to me on the bus. Yeah. Was, you was sitting another, next to him on the bus. Or, or whichever way around it was, was another mm. pivotal thing. Mm. And both of those, because I, I didn't know you when I joined the Dwas, because that would have been 84. I didn't, I'd, I'd, I didn't yeah, know I'd you then. Been, I'd have been at QE for two years yeah. then. Yeah. But then I realised that you lived just a couple of miles yeah. away from me. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it's very, very, very weird. So yeah, there, there's the sort of random rolls of the dice, isn't it, that has led to us doing this silly, silly podcast. So there we go. That's our connections. Bye. 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 And now we present our tribute to Brian Kant. Yes, the lovely, wonderful Brian we'll, we'll Kant. Be talking about his work, and then later on, we'll be focusing on. One of my favourite things that he did. Yes. So, here's us. Here's our tribute to Brian. Comedy and music are provided now on two in the fast-moving entertainment led by Brian Kant in Play Away. Hello. I want to challenge you, all of you actually, all of you, to place one hand on any part of your person where the other hand cannot reach it. All right. Five seconds to do that to achieve this feat, or rather, hand. Five seconds to put one hand where the other one can, on your own person, not somebody else. All right. Ready. Go! One, two, three, four, five. Stop! Anybody that? Yes! They all, I think they all know it. Well, some didn't. I wonder if you did at home. Hello! 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 Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> that was very uh, sultry, Warren. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, good. Put your clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> Right, um, <coughs> excuse me, we are now going to remember Brian Kant, Yes, I think. The lovely um, Brian Kant, yeah. uh, part Bri of all our childhoods. Yes, uh, Brian um, Kant passed away a couple of weeks ago. Yes, towards the end of June. Isn't it? But it's yes. very obvious how much he meant to everyone, yes. I think, from all the response on yes. Twitter and very Facebook. Yes, because sort of most of our sort of Facebook friends and real friends and everything else are all of pretty much an era that remember Brian Kant on Play School yeah. and yeah. Play Away. Uh, we've just watched a few bits and bobs of of Brian. Yes. Um, and it's noticeable, I think, how invested he is. He loves in the job, show. It? Yeah. It's not yes. a job, actually. It's no, no it, him, it's something it? he really yeah. He's loves really enjoying himself doing. Yeah, and because for comparison, we watched um, 
there was a New Zealand version of Play School. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know who the guy doing it was. Mr. Mullet. Well, yes. <laughs> but he was sort of just basically he's phoning sort of going, his performance going through in. the motions, yes. I yeah. think. Whereas yeah. then, you ca- then we've contrasted it with Brian. And he's giving it his all. And he mm. really is mm. giving, giving it, as you say, his all. Mm. And I think as a kid... You could see that. You yeah. appreciated that yeah. and you knew that... Yeah. It's that warm hug from the telly yeah. from Brian, yeah. wasn't it? Because he was very much one of those presenters that was your, um, either your friend or your uncle, yeah. wasn't yes. he? Yeah. Um, you identified with him. Yes. And it's yeah. quite interesting. Um, you can you can draw a timeline through your entire childhood hmm. to say, Brian, when I first met Brian, he was doing play school. Yeah. Now, I remember mm. Playway. Then I remember Dapple Down Farm. Yeah. And mm. I remember this and I remember that. And he's constant. It's it, it's it's a relative, isn't it? It's it's one of the closest relatives you'll have on screen. Well, I think we, as we started to look through his sort of credits, it was remarkable. The num a the sort of range of stuff yeah. he's done. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, as Doctor Who fans, we know him from the Dominators and uh, Dalek the Master Plan, Plan yeah. yes. well, the, the clip that survives from episode one. Yeah. Um, and yes, Trumpton, Camberwick Green, and Chigley, which staples we, of any child, which we are going to do yeah. at the end of this this podcast. But there's a there's a lot of um, one-off appearances. Oddly, as sort of quite a few police <laughs> roles. Yes. Strangely, he obviously looks again. like a policeman. Yeah, um, mm. he, he pops up in Bootsy and Snudge as a police constable, a detective sergeant uh, in No Hiding Place. Right. And also in detective. Um, he did Z cars, didn't he? Uh, yes, there's a few Z cars appearances. Girl in a black bikini, Detective Constable Ashwood. That's from 1967. Sexton Blake, Police Constable. Great. Uh, Dixon of Doc Green. That's a couple of appearances uh, around about 1966, 68 and 69. Uh, Zed Cars, um, he's a doctor in one episode in 1967 and pops up in a two-parter in 1970. Um, but you said about Dapple Down Farm. I don't know that series at all. Is it? It's, do, can you remind me what that was? It's, he's, he was a farmer in that. Or yeah, I can't remember it? much about it. I can remember the title. I can't actually remember much more about didn't it. Talk to the horse. Didn't I think he might have. Didn't the yeah. animals talk? Yeah. All right. Uh, it was puppetry, wasn't it? Yes. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, starring Brian Cant in a series of puppets. Fiona mm. the frog, Harry the heron, Dapple the horse, Mabel the cow, Stubble and Straw, the two mice. But that's the thing. He's <laughs> always there, isn't he? Yeah. Somewhere yeah. in... Somewhere He's always on he's, the screen. Yeah, he's always yeah. on the screen. And he's always making you smile and feel warm. Yes. And mm. um, he does pop up as narrator for the organ gang in <laughs> This Morning with Richard Not Judy, which yes. is a very Brilliant. strange cartoon series that Lee and Herring did uh, yes. in 1997 as part of their, their show, um, where he's playing the narrator. And it's clearly based on Lee and Herring's fond memories of watching him mm. in Trumpton, Camberwick, Green and Chigley. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there might be a slight sort of taking the pee a bit by getting Brian Cant, but... A beautiful homage, I would but say. But equally, I think Brian's aware of that. Yeah. Yes. That he, he knows mm. he's playing on his on his sort of reputation. Because yeah. it, it plays there's, it so there's a, straight, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. There's, there's a wonderful outtake 
um, of him just laughing and going, was that all right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he pops up in Casualty and, and Doctors even. Um, mm. His last appearance in Doctors is 2011. Mm. So, you know, it, it's... We might just think of him as play away, play school, and, and Trumpton, what have you. But he was a working actor. But there, there's yeah. so the much, portfolio, there's so it? much more than, more than that. I mm. mean, he also appeared as I mean, IMDb lists list quite a few appearances as himself. Yes. Um, number seventy three, Cracker Jack on Safari. Give us a clue. Record mm. breakers. Um, Eurovision Song Contest. He was the UK really vote <laughs> presenter. Um, 1970, 1969. Um, host for It's a Knockout in 1982 <laughs> from Sherbourne. From Sherbourne. For, well, for Frontier, Frontier, actually. Yeah. Um, yes, we, we said about um, <laughs> Sherbourne meeting Valerie Singleton. But mm. yes, when Eddie Waring retires, um, Brian turns up, <laughs> which, which, is, which is lovely. I have not seen any of his... I can't remember him doing the Great Egg Race, um, but that's 1979. Um, but let, let's just briefly talk about a couple. The, one of the clips that we saw earlier, which was the hunt for Black Jack mm-hmm. from, yeah. from Playaway. And I, I think it's a it's a lovely sort of three three or four minute film piece. Yes, where he's sort of doing his best Jimmy Stewart impression. Yes. Isn't yes. it? Which yeah. isn't terribly good, but he gives well, it a go. Gordon Gostolo. Well, I was going to say, Gordon Gostolo <laughs> does a Jimmy Stewart impression. Just uh, generally. Career, most yes. of the time. Uh, yeah. Brian, Brian, I think, ramps it up a bit. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting that that's filmed at um, the Black Gang China on the Isle of Wight, where they've got a sort of um, western sort of mock sort of town, haven't they? With... Um, and you said you you've been there a few times, Warren. To yes, see. I used to live on the island. Yeah. yeah, so you know that. But um, uh, weirdly, the uh, computer program also visits that same location. <laughs> Ian McNaught Davis goes and visits the, uh, the telegraph operator, who and there's a voiceover by I think David Graham. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to show you that that that, that later. Um, but yes, Alan Rushton, who did who who was the sort of drummer on play away has got a few clips on youtube if you mm-hmm. just search for alan rushton drums and he clearly had a very early video recorder and the quality is not brilliant but again quite a bit of this kids tv stuff does suffer from missing, yeah, it miss, well, missing well, i don't suppose they thought it was important really to keep know, yeah i don't really know um sort of Playaway's survival uh, I'm guessing rate. it's I not need, good. Need to go through it's not, through it's that. Not the type of thing but, that you would export, is it? But no. no. Um, there, there's a there's a section questions and answers and end credits, um, play away, which is about a three three minute three or four minute segment that Alan Rushton's recorded, and that's the bit that we chose to a flag up when Brian's death was announced, because there's a little bit with him and Tony Arthur on film. And they at the at the end they've made their names out of sort of flowers and yeah. and yes. grass, yeah. Yeah. just made all the letters. And I just took that picture and put it up because I thought mm. it was lovely. The final shot is a is a um, helicopter shot of uh, the White Horse at Uffington mm. in Oxford, which um, didn't we say that um, Pete and Dud also filmed yeah. filmed there for not only but not also only and did a similar sort of pullback mm-hmm. shot showing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but yeah, it was just, it was just you know, but looking back at, at Brian's stuff, he, we forget how important he was because mm-hmm. um, what was what was the other song he was doing underneath the spreading chestnut That's tree? doing all the actions. We were all smiling. Yeah. Said, we were just all smiling. Yeah, just so sat there watching lovely. it and it was just lovely to see him see him do this. So the, the you know, these these clips just bring back I think so many fond memories. I mean play play school had loads and loads of presenters. Mm-hmm. But what was it you said, Warren, that John um, Jonathan Cohen had said about how they were Yeah, I think it was employed. Last, last words on um just after Brian's death, uh, Radio Four do a, uh, a, a a program, and they usually get people who know famous people to come in and comment. Jonathan Cohen was on there, and they said um, we used to go on every week. We didn't know whether we were going to be employed the following week. It's literally how how Playaway worked. All right, and they, they they were going, and they would work their socks off really hard because they wanted to work for the next week. But he said Brian used to come in and wing it. Yeah. He was such a natural. He would go in and go, yeah, okay. And as you were saying about his audition piece. Oh, yeah, he was fishing in a cardboard box yeah. and he had to catch a Wellington boot full of custard yeah. or something. <laughs> but, yeah, according to sort of the, the notes here on Wikipedia, uh, Brian first appeared in May 1964 and stayed with it for 21 years. So which shows, shows how popular he was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, if you, you look mm. at the list of people... Is Eric Thompson, Carol mm. Chell, Derek Griffiths, Tony Arthur, mm. uh, Floella Benjamin, Chris Changel, Johnny Ball. You're yeah. walking through the inside of my head. At yeah, the moment, Stuart yeah. McGoo. <laughs> Jeremy Irons did a bit, didn't Jeremy Irons is play, play away. away. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Tony and, Robinson, and Tony Robinson as well. Uh, where are yeah. they now? I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, they yeah. didn't go on to anything, no. did they? But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think we just have to stop and, and thank Brian yeah. for. Yes. You know, being part of our, our childhood. Yeah, and just making such a difference. Yeah. He never played mm. down, he never cheapened it. No, he he, al- yeah. he always yeah. gave you as the audience at home, you know, everything, mm. didn't he? And he yeah. never did, uh, this is just for children. No, no, no he no. never did. No. He, he played for the entire audience. Even if the parents were sat yeah. with the younger children, they would still yeah. be engaged yeah. with yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so. he didn't do an Adrian Headley and be patronising. <laughs> oh, a little bit of controversy there. <laughs> My name's Lisa Parker. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so thank yeah. you, Brian. Yes, and, thank you very much. And, we salute you. Yeah, and we're Absolutely. we're now going to more detail of Camberwick Green, Trumpton, and Chigley because I I really want to talk about them. Yeah. So we'll be okay. back very shortly. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Hello, it's me, Paul, or Shayeti. Um, I wanted to tell you about something that is sort of related to either, well, Play School or the show Play Away, which was the spin-off. Uh, when I was very young, I don't have that many memories of, of my very early childhood, but I do remember that when I was very young, whenever I had dreams, they always seemed to star the cast of either Play School or Play Away. Uh, it could well be Play Away, because I think I remember enjoying that more than um, uh, Play School. But 
Yeah, it was weird. The only reason I can think that that would have happened is that, you know, when you're very small, your social spectrum is very, very limited to maybe a few relatives or, you know, I mean, particularly before you go to like play school or, or, or primary school, you know, you really don't know that many people. I didn't have, I was an only child until I was eight and a half. So I didn't know that many other children to start with. And adults wise I knew my parents and I had the odd relative but I suppose the faces that I saw most were the ones on television and yeah I can't remember any particular dream or what happened but I do remember that uh, a lot of the faces that appeared were related to play school or play away so uh, I guess as I grew older I met more people and that stopped happening but you know i definitely remember it being a thing my favorite play school presenter was always chloe ashcroft because again she looked very similar to how my my mum looked at that in the sort of 70s she had the same sort of hair and uh, so i think when i saw chloe ashcroft i kind of felt safe <laughs> like cause she looked like my mum so when she was in doctor who in resurrection of the daleks even though by then I was like 10 or 11, I remember being very pleased that uh, Chloe Ashcroft had made an appearance in my favourite TV programme, um, even though she uh, even though she had a bit of an unfortunate end, and possibly acting-wise she was slightly still channelling her play school acting days, but uh, I still love the fact she was in that story. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. Uh, thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Thank you to Paul for yes, that. Thank that, you, Paul. That was a very nice that piece. memory. Yes. yes. And also thank you for to Warren for helping yes. with our Brian Kant bits yes, and pieces. Uh, mm. But now uh, I think one of the things for which Brian Kant is most known, yes. certainly for people of my generation. Mm-hmm. Old Ka- people. Old people, would you be? <laughs> thank you. You're not much, you're not much younger than me. Oh, I know. Camberwick Green, Trumpton, Chigley. Yes. Which I am very fond of. Yes. Um, I've got all the episodes on DVD. Yeah. And we just got the uh, Blu-ray of yeah, of, of Camberwick Green because it's recent. Well, I say it's recently. Well, recently-ish. Um, mm. uh, BBC um, post-production have had a go yes. at it to, to clean it up make it a bit nicer yes but um let's let's talk about this these this lovely universe um it, it, it's all interconnected isn't it yes um it it's three separate series all produced by written and produced by gordon murray mm-hmm. and animated by borough and hardwick um Puppet series mm. uh, launched in 1966. Camberwick Green. That's older than you. That's some things are. <laughs> launched <laughs> in 1966, 3rd January. Mm-hmm. So Doctor Who on the Saturday before 
was Volcano. All right. Okay. Um, but 3rd of January is a Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1.30 in the afternoon, Watch With Mother for the Very Young, Camberwick Green, Peter the Postman. Mm. Narrator, Brian Kant. Music by Freddie Phillips. Mm-hmm. Uh, the cover for Radio Times for this week is Softly Softly. Oh, right. Okay. As Softly Softly launches... Uh, a couple of days later, right. on the fifth of January. Okay. So two very important series launching yeah, in the same week. Launching that week. Uh, but Go- it wasn't the first thing that Gordon Murray had produced because oh, okay. um, he did make a Rubovian legend in nineteen fifty eight, mm-hmm. which we've had a very quick look at That's and scary. were were scared by because. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, real sort of nightmarish puppets in that. Have a look if you want to, but it's at your own peril. But yes, uh, Gordon Murray's work on Camberwick Green, Trumpton, and Chigley are his masterwork, I think, really. Um, I was just sort of looking up Gordon Murray, and he um, actually saw action in in the D-Day landings, landing on Gold Beach, which I I can't sort of imagine. You can't, you can't. I can't sort of connect. No. Trumpton and, and, and that. Yeah. But um, it's three series mm-hmm. um, of 13 episodes each. Yeah. They run about sort of 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Campbell Green is 1966. Trumpton is 1967. Mm. And then Chigley is, I think, 1969. That's right, yes. Yeah. So there is, there is a gap. Uh, but they all form a sort of coherent fictional universe yes Trumptonshire isn't Trumptonshire it? is the is, is Trumpton's the Trumpton's county the, town Trumpton's the, the county town like basically, Dorchester basically yes yeah. um, so people sort of get them mixed up in their heads as, yeah. as and it, it all sort of merges into one really mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I remember watching it as a kid and, and loving it and I still love it now because um, it, it's one of those series where you can tell the makers are giving it their all. Yes. Um, yeah. From, you know, Gordon's work on all the scripts and making it a, a universe that, that sort of fits fits together. Because yeah. yeah. um, people remember the Fire Brigade, yes. but they don't turn up till Trumpton. No. So they're actually not in the first series. No. Um, in the oh. first series, you've got um, the boys at Pippin Fort. Yes. And yeah. that... They 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 they're sort of the people that, much like the um, the fire brigade later, when anything goes everything. wrong, yeah. so there's some bees nesting outside yeah. the bakery. Yeah. Oh, immediate yeah. thing is to send for the send for the army. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, slight overreaction. Yeah, the mayor's lost his hat. You yes. send for the fire brigade. Yeah. Um, PC McGarry is the village bobby, mm-hmm. and there is a line in one because every every character's got a song. Yes. Which Brian Kant sings, sings yeah. with brilliant, brilliant music yes, um, Freddie from Freddie Phillips. Phillips. Real memorable stuff. There is a chap on YouTube. Um, his channel's called Somebody Irrelevant, which is mm-hmm. I think doing himself down. Who does lovely guitar, yeah, audio, uh, well not yeah. audio, but but clean versions of the music without the songs. And you can see what beautiful pieces of music. In fact, they're mm. quite simple pieces of music. Mm-hmm. But they really get in your head. Yes. Um, and I, I've got lots of favourites. Um, everybody probably knows the Steam Train yes. song, you know, Time Flies By When I'm a 
driver of a train. Yes. Later, I think, was it the, the group Half Man, Half Biscuit did a yes. version of it. Yeah. Um, but the animation, um, it, it, it sort of became a style of its own mm-hmm. because um, Windy Miller, the character, gets mm-hmm. gets used in adverts for bakeries and things mm-hmm. like that right. in, 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 yeah. in late years. Mm-hmm. There's the, um, was it Radiohead video from last year, which oh, is yeah. done, done in the before. same same yeah. style. Yeah. Um, is it Ashes to Ashes or Life on Mars? Life I've on never Mars. does a, Mars, a parody yeah. where you've got Sam Tyler yes, popping out coming out of the box. musical box because the opening of Camberwick Green starts with the music box yeah. and whoever whichever character it is comes out comes and, out and waves, waves at you. Yeah. Um, episode one is Peter the Postman, and I think that's quite a clever mm. first episode because he goes on his rounds so delivering you letters. To so you, you, you structurally, it's quite clever. You you get to meet other characters yes. in in the series. Uh, but but you said looking at the boys at Pip and Fort, yes. you started to notice something a bit odd about the, the yeah, whole universe, they, didn't you? The historical period where everybody is set now when you look at it you think oh it's probably sort of victorian because the ladies wear long dresses you see i never apart thought, from mrs murphy i never thought that yeah. watching it as a kid it was modern day to me right. but you've right. noticed all this costume detail yeah. right. and i mean particularly the boys at Pippin fault who looking at um because this is how nerdy we are looking the at uniforms. pictures of uh, red coat uniforms yeah. the uniform they wear yeah. It's from about 1835 because it's got the double white they're, cross. They're, yeah, they're privates. Yeah, they're They've privates. got red coats yeah. with the white, two white sashes on sashes it. Sashes on it. Do the double cross. Black hats. Yeah. But the hat's from. Yeah. They've the got hat. white wigs. Yes. With Which is black sort of ribbons. Georgian. Sort of ponytail thing, isn't you know, it? George III, sort of late um, 18th century. And the hats are sort of early 19th century. So you'd... So historically, it's See, all this over the never place. crossed my mind watching it, but yeah. the moment you said, I thought, "Hang on, you're right," because yeah. they would not, they would just have modern, modern sort of uniforms, uniforms on, wouldn't yeah. they? You know, it would be like red cap or something. Yes. Like that. But I guess visually, that it looks better. That's not very interesting no, if it was no. a modern uniform. I can understand it, but it's it's um, yeah. I mean, it's not only that. It's like when you when you go to all the different characters, you got Mrs. Honeyman, mm. who's wearing a. What appears to be a sort of an Edwardian style dress with a lot, hats. A lot of the women have got sort of hooped skirts yes. on, haven't so you they? Can't see well, the I legs. know, I know why because it's easier yes, to easier animate. To but apart from Mrs. Murphy, Mrs. Murphy's got who's, legs. Who's like got a really short skirt on compared to everybody else. But um, when you go to Mr. Crockett's garage, yeah. um, you, you, there's a red sports car you sometimes see, <laughs> which I think um, belongs to the salesman, Mr. Dagenham. Mr. Dagenham, yeah. But. Dr. Mops Dr. got, got, got like, a vintage car. He's got like Bessie. Well, is the car registration number is 1901. I don't yeah. know whether that's a valid registration number or not. But clearly he's... Well, um, he's got, he wears a top he hat a top as well. He wears a top hat, yeah. yeah. He's, he's quite out of time, yes. isn't he? So he, yes. he does look like he's a, yes, he, he's fallen in from 100 years ago or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that... And, what else was there? there and there's also like all the firemen. All the firemen's helmets are quite old Oh, they've got the brass, well. they've got the brass metal plate helmets. On it, which you get in the Dad's Army episode. I was going to say, the, the Dad's Army the, episode, um, they're wearing something fire similar. Engine. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, maybe there's a weird time thing going yeah. on. Sort of sapphire and steel thing, isn't it? I, but I can sort of see where it's coming from because as, as uh, somebody, I think it was Warren, said it's sort of, it's a, it's the, it's it's an an idealized, quintessential... Yes, 
British village. Yes. So it's sort of like Poundbury. Oh, Poundbury being, being you better Prince explain Charles's, what Poundbury um, is. Man-made village. Man-made. <laughs> we know what is man-made. Designed. It's not designed village. Yeah. yeah. What is a man-made village? Yeah. So yeah. Pa- so it's Poundbury is what in Prince Charles's head is what a perfect a, village. A perfect village. Apart from the fact that mind it keeps you, you growing. do you, you do get some dodgy sorts turning up in Poundbury well, from time yeah. to time. Yeah. Uh, we might get back to that in the future. Yes, I'll just leave that know. one open. Um, but I found the Radio Times entry for Camberwick Green because there was a there was a little piece actually done. Um, it says, a new watch with mother story with a host of new characters begins today. Camberwick Green is deep in the heart of Never Neverland, but before long its puppet people will be as familiar to children who watch with mother as their own neighbours. Um, among them are Peter the Postman, Dr Mop, Mickey Murphy the Baker, Mr Carraway the Fishmonger, Mrs Dingle the Postmistress, and the chemist's wife and village gossip, Mrs Honeyman who talks and talks, and talks carries her baby every well she doesn't she carries her baby but she just offloads it to everybody hold the baby whilst i natter about something um the rubber and plastic puppet six inches tall are wire jointed if dr mop raises his arm it is done by moving the arm a fraction of an inch shooting a single frame with the film camera then moving the arm another fraction and so on um, so there's a, there's a nice little in-depth piece. There's a drawing of Peter the Postman mm-hmm. and his um, pillar box and his sack mm. um, on top of the music box, which is which is quite nice. Mm. Um, if you want to go into real detail for Trumptonshire, and sadly we are running out of time on this issue, so mm-hmm. I, I, I can't go into as much nerdery as I, I, I'd, I'd like because, you know, this is one of my absolute essential series. Essential yeah. series. Yeah. Um, there is a great... Uh, unofficial uh, website www.t-web.co.uk forward slash trumpgo.htm which has got loads of of real stuff it it lists all the episodes it lists all the songs all the characters it's got stuff on Freddie Phillips um, Gordon Murray Brian Kant for example I'll I'll just quote this briefly there's an interview with Freddie Phillips about the music and effects tracks, tracks, um, and he, he says things like uh, Lord Belbury's little train was recorded at Sheffield Park Station on the Bluebell Line in Sussex. In Cuthbert's day off, uh, Trumpton, uh, Cuthbert falls in Trumpton Park Pond. It's Captain Flack surprises him. Not yeah. Captain Flack. No, it's Captain Flack. I can't remember. Sorry. Uh, the, la- the loud splash effect was achieved by dropping a large object into the bath, thereby drenching my wall, wall ceiling and floor. It's a bit like Rose <laughs> when she's drinking from her water bowl because mm. she sticks her foot in it and, and waves, shakes it, out the shake, shakes it all, all the... Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, I can <laughs> identify with that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, this, this is a wonderful, wonderful website and, um, and just, just go and look at it. It is, it's just fantastic. And also there's a, a book about uh, oh, yes. Campbell Green. Yes, no, 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 by uh, Tim Worthington. Tim Worthington's book. And it's... Um, was it? The uh, Trumptonshire Procrastination Society. Society. Like the, the Campbellwick Green Sorry, Procrastination the Campbellwick Green Pro- You see, I get, I'm already getting the series mixed up in my head. Yes. And it's basically, every time you have to write something... when He ends to, up writing it, about Campbellwick Green, Green instead. Yeah. Which I can understand, because, yeah. you know, there's, there's an awful lot to say about the series. I mean, yeah, Windy Miller is, I think, one of the characters everybody remembers. Yes. We did yeah. re- briefly watch watches 
episode yeah. and um it, it was flagged up recently on it's all right and it'll be it was all right in the 70s wasn't mm-hmm. it about windy getting peed up on cider yes um but this is quite a moralistic episode actually it is, yeah because yeah. windy offers um cider to jonathan bell who's the farmer and brian Kant says but jonathan is driving so he won't have any hmm. um you know so there's a lesson there for the kids yeah, uh, you don't uh, drink and drive don't drink and drive yeah. uh windy has some cider and falls asleep yeah then he now, now as, a, as a kid yeah. my granddad made cider mm-hmm. and would give me cider occasionally so i saw nothing wrong with that uh, when we had like bonfire night i'd have a small glass of homemade cider it, have wasps in it. it didn't have wasps in it but they were picked out beforehand so i didn't <laughs> drink wasps uh, <laughs> but um yes strong cider can make you quite sleepy yes uh, mm-hmm. that's fine um the sails stop turning on the windmill so that's cause and effect yeah. you know if you yeah. drink too much cider your windmill's gonna stop right. and then they start whistling for the wind don't yes. they and you said it's the only time you've ever seen their mouths on yes. the puppets you don't see their mouths normally no yeah. um it doesn't work so immediately they well they don't send for the the army yeah, in the this army case the army just passing, happens to be passing right, yeah. oh we should say about the army when they march oh god they sound like max wall they sound like the noise that max wall used to make when he was doing his funny funny walk with his with his bendy legs um but yeah the the army turn up and they all whistle for the wind and miraculously the um the sails do start turning again on on the windmill, but mm-hmm. yeah, I I reckon one of the soldiers is is probably um, a warlock because that's the only explanation. I think it's Private Lumley. Um, private, <laughs> yes, there is a Private Lumley. Oh, the soldier boys are Private Armitage, who's the best swimmer. Right. Private Featherby, uh, Private Hopwood. Private Meek, who's Mrs. Dingle's nephew, Private Higgins, who is the smartest looking soldier boy, okay. and Private Lumley, who can't tell his left from his right. Okay. <laughs> the use of the word soldier boys is slightly worrying. Well, um, was it Captain Snort is a soldier man, Scarlet and Gold a soldier man, he'll work a boy as hard as he can to turn him into a soldier man. Captain Snort is a soldier man who lives in Pippin Fort. Okay. Okay, that's slightly dodgy. It's all right, but yeah, I mean, there is there are some very weird songs. Um, you play you play me a bit of the dustbin one earlier. The dust, that's, that's just the dustbin I've never win, heard that wins before. Quite one, was it? Mm. Um, it's something like we're efficient and thorough when we're cleaning up the borough or yes, something. Yes, it must like, take something ages to try and work out how to rhyme what to rhyme thorough with. Yeah, but uh, PC McGarry's got one of the one of the best songs. Always, I love PC McGarry, hasn't he? And yes. um, we did ask Warren whether. It's typical of his of his day. Um, you know, it starts off fine. Here comes the policeman, the big friendly policeman, PC McGarry number 452. Lost dogs, thick fogs, don't know what to do. Then get the policeman, the big friendly policeman, PC McGarry number 452. Fair enough. That's, you know, yeah. you know, that's fine. Uh, second verse gets a bit desperate. Yeah. Lost a key, cat up a tree, baby lost a shoe. <laughs> <laughs> now... I don't think our local police station would be very impressed if you rang up their helpline and said, "Um, hello, my baby's lost a shoe. Can I have, uh, you know, officers and cars respond to all calls (laughs) about baby shoes? Mm. I think you'd get, you know, 
a few words, said you. I think you would. I think you'd be told to stop wasting your <laughs> time. But then Warren was, was a, wasn't entirely sure PC McGarry was the best example of vill- village Bobby anyway. He said he was trying to sort of um, get Windy Miller as an informant about yes. whether the kids were fishing without a licence or mm-hmm. something. I, I can't remember what, what it was, but uh, <laughs> but yes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Chigley's sort of... Oh, yes. Yeah, with Chigley... Don't let Lord Belborough on anything that's not on rail. Oh, Ch- yeah. Chigley is Lord Belborough of Winkstead Hall um, and his very close friend, Butler uh, Brackett, um, Mr. Bilton's the gardener. Mm-hmm. And yes, Mr. Bilton's got a motorised mower mm. and Lord Belborough gets it going and it was still in gear and manages to demolish part of the garden wall. Yeah, and has to send for the bricklayer. <laughs> yes. Um, there's the biscuit factory mm. at uh, run by Mr. Cresswell. There's the barge, uh, the the pottery. Um, there's yeah, there's so so Chigley sort of industrial yeah, Chigley sort Chigley sort of light light industry yeah so yeah that, but that's sort of I always think of Chigley being the, set of the sort of industrial revolution. Oh, I found I found the corporation dustman, which is Mr. Gubbins and Mr. Sneed are the corporation dustmen. Yes. Oh, Mr. Sneed. We are the Corporation Dustman with the Corporation Dustcart. We do our job with zeal and with zest. We're efficient, quick and thorough when we're cleaning up the borough where the Corporation Dustman were the best. Ooh. That's that's good, isn't it? It's good. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, so some of these songs are utterly forgotten. Yes. Um, but but I don't think anybody thinks of the Corporation Dustman. No. But yeah, it's just such a marvellous series with so much sort of depth and mm. and texture to it. You could it. just watch it again and again. Yeah. And and see. Yes, we we do tend to take the Mickey out of it a little bit because you know they're called the five going out for I take, I only take the Mickey out of things I love. Yes. And I do love Gold yeah. Murray's work yeah. and and Brian Kant's narration it's is just, just perfect. Absolutely perfect. perfect. Yeah. It, it's a it's a lovely, warm, inclusive. Mm. He makes you voice. feel like part of the world, as we yeah. were saying in the previous article about Brian Gant. He's giving it his all. He's not being patronising. He's drawing mm. you in. Yeah, you know, he's the perfect storyteller. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's just such a lovely series. It is a lovely series, and if you've never seen it, or if you're in a country where they've never shown it, mm. look it up on YouTube. You know. You won't be sorry. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's all I want to say on 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 the works of Gordon Murray today. But um, yeah, it's just 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 marvellous. Mm. And I think that's just about the end of this episode. Yes. Oh, we're sorry if it's nearly two hours long. It, 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 it's it's <laughs> it's just spiraled it's, out of it's, control. It's spread this one. <laughs> um, but yeah, episode thirteen is now be, being planned, yeah. isn't it? So we'll we'll bid you a. A fairly rapid goodbye now and hope to see you back soon. We'll just jam in a very quick sketch and do the end credits and mm-hmm. we'll be we'll be back at some point. Soon. Or fairly soon. Yes. Goodbye then. Bye bye.
Here is a podcast, an audio podcast, recorded and ready to play. This podcast contains some articles inside. Can you guess who's contributed today? It's Andrew and Lisa. Hello, Andrew and Lisa. How are you? Oh, not very happy. Is it PC Warren? Has he fallen out of a tree again? Oh, you've run out of time and can't do an end sketch after all. Well, good night then. Troby likes cider. That was episode 12 of Round the Archives, starring Lisa Parker, Andrew Trowbridge and Warren Cummings, with Nick Goodman, Michael Seeley and Paul Chandler. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The script for The Changes was by Anna Holm and Peter Dickinson. And the producer was Anna Holm. Good luck to me. Good luck, Good luck to, to everyone, everyone we, we see. see.